Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It's Tom Rose, Gary Bauer, the Bauer and Rose Show, the Bauer and Rose podcast right here, hosted at justthenews.com, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, Broadcast on Satellite Radio, Sirius XM, The Patriot, Channel 125. Make sure and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an edition of the Bauer and Rose Show. Gary, how, the happy post-Thanksgiving. Hope all was well. Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, it was wonderful. Wonderful Thanksgiving. There were a couple little, you know, of what our family will refer to as first world problems that... <laughs> You know, it came up like uh, a dinner reservation that had a glitch in it. My, my dinner reservations, as we've talked about before, very simple. Honey, when's dinner <laughs> going to be ready? <laughs> Let us know when it's ready, hon. Yeah, yeah, we've we've I've been taking guff on that ever since last week. Thank you very much. <laughs> Don't you think you should say something to her, Gary? You know, you're I, right. I Let us done. know when it's ready, hon. I've done so much for that lady. <laughs> anyway. Oh God! Well, look, um, how about New Year's was very. Was it was, it was very, very nice. There were no uh, uh, explosions, no contretemps, no storm outs, no slam doors. It was, you know, um, it was a uh, a Jewish Thanksgiving. It was lovely. It was. It always is. It's my favorite holiday because it's the holiday where. Uh, we live in a culture at a time where uh, uh, political capital, cultural capital, if you will, is on division. It's on the first element of the hyphenated uh, description of what an American is. And Thanksgiving is the one day, the one time when we really can unite around a single theme, a single purpose, I read the other day something about Thanksgiving, which, of course, I don't have in front of me, that communities don't create rituals. It's rituals that create communities. Wow. And I like, I like that. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 there's something about Thanksgiving that is truly and wholly American, that uh, unites us in a way that nothing else does, not even Christmas uh, particularly now when, what is it, 30% of the country says they're not Christian, uh, or 25, anyway, the number was well above 95% for 200 and some odd years, and as the country secularizes, and as there are, um, I don't even want to lay it on immigrants and non-Christians as much as uh, the culture has become secularized, not only non-religious, but almost anti-religious, that science or the pursuit of science has, quote-unquote, replaced religion as though the two aren't inextricably linked. 
to begin with, if it wasn't for Christianity, uh, there would be no science because it was only Christianity that enabled the human mind to begin to think in cosmic terms, that there's a master of the universe, a creator of all, and that out of, out of chaos comes order, and that we are not mere uh, uh, circumstances of, of, of meaningless cosmic gases colliding together that over the eons have evolved to create beings that think they have meaning but really don't have meaning because everything is meaningless. So as that goes away, as that um, incredibly evolved belief disappears and is replaced by, don't get me wrong, nothing new. There's nothing new about this paganism. This is a reversion to the kind of pre-Judeo-Christian mean. And America suffers as a result, and I think Thanksgiving is one of the very few things we have that can help pull us back. Yeah, no, I I agree with all that, Tom, Uh, although... Uh, the sign of the war uh, that's that's being waged against uh, uh, Judeo-Christian America was evident even on on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah. Uh, Biden put out uh, a Thanksgiving uh, proclamation, as every president does, a very flowery uh, thing. He mentions uh, uh, all, all these uh, people and things we can be thankful about, um, first responders and teachers or maybe he said teacher unions i'm not sure at any rate he goes all that he just left out one thing and and that would be almighty god literally there is no mention in biden's thanksgiving proclamation of almighty god the proclamation is biden asking america not to give thanks to god but to give thanks to america for everything america has done for us But, of course, the whole purpose of the holiday was for America to give thanks to God for all the things he has done for our country and our people. Not a minor difference. You you know, um, uh, it's I don't even like thinking the thought, but unless the end times comes, uh, uh, you know, at some point before it. Uh, America will at some point in the history of mankind not exist. You know, all countries eventually uh, fall or disappear or swallowed by the sands of time. So giving thanks to a a something that uh, had a beginning and will have an end doesn't really make much sense. Uh, God, in contrast, was there before America and will be there after America, was there before man and will be there after man, uh, was there before earth and will be there after earth. That is what you want to give thanks to, something so much bigger than you, than a particular uh, polity, some you know, a piece of land, however much we love it, which is a special land, pre- specifically because, as its first president said, that without the blessings of divine providence, we would not be here. So um, I'm more convinced than ever, Tom, uh, we we hit this theme a lot. So does Victor David Hansen and Tucker Carlson and in his own uh, um, uh, sometimes uh, fumbling way, 
our friend Donald Trump. Uh, many people touch on this, but there, there is just no doubt in my mind about it uh, when I see something like a Thanksgiving proclamation that doesn't thank God, that we are in the middle of a revolution in America. And it is a revolution against Judeo-Christian America. Yep. And the revolution is being conducted not just by political you-know-whats, uh, but by powerful forces in our society, corporate forces, uh, globalists, internationalists, the Davos crowd, uh, uh, every crisis, uh, real and imagined, is used to uh, uh, strengthen that war on Judeo-Christian America. We are all being asked in one way or another to kneel before these demands. And as uh, a number of people have pointed out, and this is something that you and I have ex experienced and, and have seen, one of the most, um, and I'll stop here in a second, uh, one of the most difficult things to see in all this is people that we have respected in the past who face with this uh, decide to kneel. They become Quislings. Uh, they, you, you know, the, the, Impulse to avoid being called, called, C-U-L-L-E-D, out of the herd is so strong that people will go around going, uh, well, I don't believe all that transgender stuff, but just out of decency, I'm, you know, I always ask people what their preferred pronouns are. Well, then you are being part of the lie. You and know, we, we, and every time we lie, we're weaker. Gratitude is, in my opinion, the single most important human attribute, not just for happiness or prosperity, but for wholesome living. You will know the exact verse citation, but it's Deuteronomy. It's the first, I think it's, you'll, you'll be able to cite it exactly, but I think it's like Deuteronomy 6 or something where um God says to the children of Israel, you may be tempted to say to yourself, my power, my strength, my own hand comes to me, uh, this great wealth. But remember, it's the Lord, your God, um, who gives you the power to do great things and upholding the covenant that he swore to your ancestors. It's not, I mean, you will, it's, I don't know what the you, I'm sure you'll know the exact citation. You know your Bible far better so than I. Three times now you've set me up for complete humiliation among our massive Christian audience. Well, you know your uh, Bible better than I do. Well, I yeah, but but you're 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 quoting for the part of the Bible that you guys started <laughs> our book with, and so I expect you to have the Old Testament phrase. I mean, to me, the most important. You know, you ever, this, well, this probably has not, maybe, maybe this has happened to you. I do events, you know, over the years and people will bring their Bible with them and they'll come up and they'll ask me if I will sign their Bible. And maybe some of those folks are listening, but I, I, mean, I don't mean to insult anybody. It's a wonderful gesture, but I, I feel very uncomfortable doing that. Why? I mean, my name should not be in the cover of a book that was dictated by God. If God didn't tell them to write Gary L. Bauer in the cover <laughs> of the Bible, I am certainly not going to write Gary L. Bauer, but sometimes they'll say, put down your favorite verse, right? Or what you think is the most important verse. And 
I've always felt, well, for a Christian, if you don't put down John 3.16, for God so loved the world, you know, you're kind of missing right. the point. Right. But I've, but seriously, Tom, I've always felt that the most important verse was actually the first uh, verse that was written uh, in Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. If you don't believe that, you're right. the rest of the book, you may as well not waste your time. Right. The rest of the book is a lie. You're right. You're absolutely right. And by the way, as you were, it's Deuteronomy 812. I knew that. I just (laughs) didn't want to embarrass you on the air. (laughs) When you've been eaten and been satisfied and have built fine houses and lived in them, when your herds and flocks have grown abundant and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, your heart may become proud forgetting that it was I, the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Hmm. Uh, it's um, uh, that that book is is going to go places someday. Uh, who who knows? Maybe someday we will live long enough to hear a uh, a mainstream reporter on the air refer to it as the Holy Bible, the way they always refer to the Holy Quran, the Prophet Muhammad, not the right. Muslim Prophet Muhammad. Yes, have yeah. you? And I definitely want to get into this because this has been my uh, absorbed preoccupation for the past couple of months. But uh, the Christian Broadcasting Network, CBN, has been well. There are two people in particular. First of all, Gordon Robertson, who you know and I know, hosts the uh, Seven Hundred Club. His Israel coverage, uh, and I'm not saying this because he's pro-Israel, his Israel coverage has been by far and away the most detailed, the most comprehensive, uh, the most thorough of any television news outlet anywhere in the world. The CBN bureau chief in Jerusalem, Chris Mitchell, who's been there for 20-some-odd years, uh, has been... Absolutely. I mean, he's a must. Forget forget the word Christian. Just think of news. They're reporting. And every day, Chris Mitchell has a 30-minute show on CBN. Uh, Israel at War Day, 31, 32, 30, whatever it is. It's just a... uh, they are doing an absolutely sensational job. Just sensational. Better than Israeli media. I mean, it's, it's... They've done, and I don't think they're getting the credit that they deserve because they have been outstanding, just outstanding. Well, uh, yeah, they 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 do an incredible job, and if you know, if you we we I think we've done some of the best commentary. You know, not pretending to have uh, any neutrality at all about it. You know, we're not necessarily in the news business as we are in the. pontificating uh, from our worldview business that CBN has a worldview, but I, I would agree that their coverage, I, I don't think there's been anything distorted about it at all. I think they've, uh, and, and, and it, it is one of the reasons it is so good is so much of the American normal secular media has been so terrible. Yeah, absolutely. Look, and I, and now we're going to get into this, if you don't mind with each passing day of this war, Two things become more and more obvious. The first, Israel cannot fight, cannot win this war without U.S. resupply of munitions. So 
Israel is totally dependent upon U.S. munitions to continue the war, let alone fight or win it. Um, so it, 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 the second thing that is unfortunately very, very clear here is that in terms of the day-to-day conduct of the war, Israel has to do what Biden tells it to do. And that's the problem. Because if Israel does what Biden instructs it to do, it cannot win the war. Because Biden is sabotaging every objective that Israel has. And this problem is compounded by the by problem number one, that Israel is totally dependent on... Israel doesn't have uh, domestic uh, production capacities to resupply uh, its you know, targeted munitions, its precision-guided weapons. It has a domestic industry, but nothing like the U.S. The problem then is that um, the Israeli government can't openly criticize Biden because of their dependence on it, but they know doggone well that if they continue to follow his advice, they're going to lose the war. Just because Netanyahu and his cabinet cannot openly criticize Biden doesn't mean that the House can't criticize Biden, doesn't mean that House Speaker Mike Johnson shouldn't use the occasion of the Christmas recess to call uh, emergency hearings, oversight hearings on the conduct of the war. And to date, I realize they've been totally preoccupied with organizational matters and other issues, but the House, the Republican House majority hasn't really done anything to exercise oversight yet. Um, ironically, probably because they're being pressured by the Israeli government not to. Um, I think Johnson should open hearings. I think this is a uh, an opportunity to demand, to compel the Biden administration to explain to the American people openly, which it has not done, what its real objectives here are. Uh, and a side benefit is I still think, despite the far left uh, turn of the leadership of the Democrat Party, it is still a bipartisan issue. The American people are still very pro-Israel. So this would be a chance uh, not only to put Biden's feet to the fire in terms of uh, uh, the policy, which is all but unstated, that will prevent Israel from winning this war, uh, but a chance for a bipartisan consensus to be demonstrated to the American people and, most importantly, to the Arab world, which is getting totally mixed messages from us. I I think I've got a, a somewhat different um, uh, perspective on this, Tom. Is it is it really the case that that the Israeli government can't speak up? Because um, while I agree they they have to have American munitions in order to prevail, but I think it's not Israel that's between a rock and a hard place. I think it's Biden that's between a rock and a hard place. He is the president of a country that is still pro-Israel. But he's head of a party whose activist base is increasingly anti-Israel. So he cannot please America by being strongly supportive of Israel without risking alienating the base that he needs to reelect him. So in my view, 
uh, Netanyahu um, could could say publicly or or make sure that there are plenty of leaks coming out of the Israeli government that said we are, that says we are mortified by how much the president is uh, deceiving the American public, acting like he's all in with us when in fact he is backing us into a corner. So we cannot possibly win this war. He can't. There say would that. be an explosion. I know at that he can't point. possibly. You're right, but he can't say that because then uh, Biden would be given all the ammunition he needs to openly turn against Israel. I, I, and then and, and his party would would be blown up. That's the point, Tom. A U.S. president cannot go all out against Israel. He just can't. Now, the day's coming soon, sooner than I would like it to come, when that will be possible. Because there's two big parties in America, and one of them's the Democrats, and the handwriting is on the wall. I mean, if there is anything you can say about um, Generation Z, and of course, um, was that, that's what they're called, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Gen Z. If there's anything you could say, and of course I'm generalizing because we're talking about millions of people and some of them probably tune into the Baron Road. Right. Show like our kids. And don't throw things at the computer. Uh, but <laughs> Actually, my, speaking, my kids throw, thing at the, throw things at the computer. So, yeah. Uh, generally speaking, they are uh, socialists. Uh, they are committed to the, uh, to, to abortion for any and all reasons. And they hate Israel. I mean, that defines that generation. And it's why they support for Biden is collapsing among them. Um, so, no, I, I mean, look, if, if an Israeli government can't speak up, then then it's over, Tom, because the Democrat Party is not going to become more pro-Israel no, in the years ahead. But I would argue that, that Israel is in a stronger position now to speak up. I, I don't disagree with that. Their sense is that they can't win the war without resupply. And, of course, the irony is by continuing to suck up to Biden, it only validates his completely schizophrenic uh, handling of the issue that, um, I mean, there, there were reports that I think were rather credible that Israel entered into the, um, initial four day pause in fighting that you and I predicted last week would extend beyond the four days. That was a tough one to call. It was based on the fact that, uh, Israeli intelligence as good as it was still didn't have a very good idea of where the hostages were. There was a piece in the Daily Express, a British paper this morning, that um, much of that intel gap has had been filled in the in the past ten days, and now Israel really thinks they're beginning to know where most of these hostages are, but it's opted not to rescue them because of the pressure 
that Biden is putting on Israel not to harm civilians. Of course, these monsters are holding the hostages amongst civilians. That's the way they operate. Who kidnaps a four-year-old boy? Who kidnaps a three-year-old girl after forcing this precious little Avigail Idan to watch the murder of her parents as a three-year-old, and then she's taken into a dungeon for 49 days? Rescuing these hostages would obviously cause, quote-unquote, collateral damage. And the uh, operational challenge that this, that this poses to Israel is one Israel's willing to meet, but Biden's basically threatening them openly every day, don't harm any civilians. So- well, but, but the, the, look, Zelensky could not have any chance of saving his country without the goodwill of the government of the United States. And Zelensky has not hesitated. I know. To criticize the slowness of the Biden administration. That's an excellent point, by the way. Well, can, can I, I've got other things. Can I sign off now? No, that's an, that's an, I hadn't, I, that's an excellent point. Uh, okay, well, then I won't elaborate on it. I was thinking. I no, was keep, no, that, that's just. You know, every three, four, five weeks, you say something that, uh, no, that's, I hadn't even thought of that. You're absolutely right. And it doesn't yeah. undermine his position here. It strengthens it. Yeah, yes. Uh, look, look, here, here. I mean, it, I, I just wish Israel. Um, that's a great point. You, you, you know. The, Can I steal that? Use, Can I steal that? Of course, of course. Uh Sometimes uh, Israelis are accused of being kind of dark about things or pessimistic or don't say this, you'll jinx it or whatever. whatever. But I I actually think they have uh, generalizing again, a a too optimistic view of how, uh, and you repeated it earlier, that that pro being pro-Israel is still a – a bipartisan position in the United States. It it is quickly ceasing to be so. I, I mean, the polling shows the Democrat Party now. It's it's fifty fifty. I know. Um, and the Republican Party, it's more like seventy five twenty. Um, with the typical five percent going, what Israel's in trouble? I, you know, like people that don't pay any attention or whatever. But um, I I just. Biden the other day, you know, was asked at a press conference uh, about the uh, uh, statistics coming out of Gaza from the uh, Gaza Public Health Authority, which is, you know, uh, Ahmad Hassan, Kamad, fourth in command of uh, Hamas, uh, educated in the University of Terrorism. And, you know, of course, yeah, everything in the freaking Gaza Strip is controlled by Hamas. So uh, the press, of course, playing their dutiful role as Quislings, uh, they say to the president, uh, uh, you know, what, what do you say about 10,000 civilians being killed? And, and the president says, well, I, I don't trust the figures that Hamas is putting out. Well, now we have found out in the last 24 hours that uh, a week or so later, uh Biden brings all the big American Muslim group leaders into the West Wing in a meeting that was not on the schedule. 
uh, goes around the table hugging them all. And then in the meeting, apologizes yeah. to them for the statement he made in the press conference and how heartless that statement was and how disappointed he is in himself. himself. Yeah. Give me a break. This is the guy you're going to depend on to give you the munitions you need to win the war. He's not going to do it. There's no satisfying him, Tom. So Israel cannot lose this war. If Israel loses this war, I, I don't even want to think of the consequences of that. Well, we can let's let's talk for a moment about the consequences. Forget about losing the war. Let's just talk about not winning it. If Hamas is not destroyed, the southern 20% of Israel becomes uninhabitable. The 21 towns and villages and communities that were attacked on 10-7, is anybody going to move back there if Hamas is not destroyed? Is the southern part of the country, the so- smaller than New Jersey, becomes uninhabitable? What happens up north if nothing happens to Hezbollah and Hamas is not defeated? Sure. Crushed, right? Yeah. 250,000 Israelis. We all hear the number about the number of Gazans displaced. A quarter of a million Israelis are displaced. Israel cannot physically survive long term if large portions of its sovereign territory are uninhabitable. That provides the message not just to terrorists, but to the governments throughout the region that they're seeking to overthrow that they got to cut their deal with the terrorists. And obviously we're talking about Iran ultimately. This is where I think the administration totally gets it wrong. The Arab world, the Arab world leadership needs Israel to win almost as fundamentally as Israel needs to win itself because these non-state terror armies are after a complete reconfiguration of the region to create it uh, in the image of of this Shia fundamentalist fanatic uh, apocalyptic millenarian Iranian uh, global Shiite caliphate, and we think that we're somehow appeasing the Arabs by supporting Hamas, or if not supporting Hamas, then restraining Israel. How many you think? President al-Sisi in Egypt is, is, is saying hold back? Are you kidding me? The guy is saying smash the living daylights out of him. The same thing with King Abdullah in Jordan, although that guy's such a weasel he'd never come out and say it. The Saudis, the UAE, and we're kowtowing, we're genuflecting to Qatar, this Iranian outpost. We have all the leverage in the world with Qatar, and we completely turn it around. You want all these hostages released in 24 hours? You tell Qatar, we're moving El Adid Air Base. It's the largest employer in Qatar. It's our largest air base outside the United States. 11,000 U.S. service personnel are there. We could move it tomorrow to Bahrain. They'd love it. We could move it to the UAE tomorrow. They'd love it. Without, see, that's the sort of thing that a President Trump would, would threaten to do. 100%. And, and every, uh, not only would every lefty in America uh, and all the, uh, you know, the Atlantic Alliance people, all those, they all would all go crazy. The, the American uh, uh, pro-defense community 
you, you know, the, the Republican hawks would go, what? He, what is he doing? We can't survive without the... I mean, you move it. It's 70. You can move it 75 miles away. You can move it 200 miles away. We have. And without that air base, the Altani regime. Look, these guys are thugs in Qatar. They're thugs. This regime would fall. They're hated. They're loathed. Remember, there was this huge boycott by the Gulf Cooperation Council, all the countries uh, in the Gulf against Qatar. They're Iran's banker. They launder all of Iranian money and weapons and arms. It's the home base of Hamas. Uh, we have all the leverage, and yet we think if we upset them somehow, what are they going to do? They're going to close the base? I mean, we have, we have people in charge of our country, Gary, that I wouldn't ask to sell an automobile on my behalf. They're so, they don't understand the first thing about leverage, not the first thing. Yeah, well, Tom, you, you know, uh, one of the, the, um, themes that we've heard for from the very beginning was look you're you're all these palestinians are being harmed uh but they don't want hamas you, you know they're they're living under the fear of what hamas will do to them if if the palestinians the gazans tried to uh, have a different government so why in the world, if we if the left believes that, and I don't believe it because there's polling data out of Gaza that shows that 70 percent of the country, they might complain that, you know, the local uh, Gazan black block captain uh, hasn't gotten the, the, the pothole fixed on that street like he said he would. They might get upset that, uh, you know, garbage pickup isn't as reliable as they want it to be. But there's a uncomfortable number of Gazans that are head over heels seeing Israeli Jews. It's a huge majority. I don't know what the number is, but it's 75, 80 percent. You saw it on 10 seven when they when they came. But forget about the Hamas terrorists themselves. What about the thousands and tens of thousands who came out to demonstrate, who came out to spit on hostages, to kick dead bodies, to, to dip, literally dip their hands in blood and show them to cameras? This is a primeval, medieval uh, society. I mean, I, what their numbers are almost is irrelevant, whether it's 80% or 87 because... Hamas is in total control and all these reports that Hamas rule is breaking down that may or may not be true, as you mentioned, on a block by block level, just because Hamas rule may be breaking down doesn't mean that there's going to be a Federalist Society convention uh, uh, writing a new constitution for Gaza. (sighs) Yeah, you know, the, the people that are saying in our own government, State Department, Defense Department, uh, a lot of these other folks, it, 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 it's a fallacy that uh, periodically Republican uh, presidents, uh, Republican administrations also buy into that all cultures, all people in all cultures everywhere in the world are essentially the same. They they want the same thing. They they're willing to do the same things to get it. Uh, they, they 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 want uh Freedom. They want uh, uh, everybody in their country to be able to worship as their as their heart and soul leads them. That no, they don't, and and it's particularly true in a lot of the Islamic world. 
in, in I mean, it, they just don't want that. I, it, I don't know how else to say, but we keep falling for the same thing over and over and over again. But but the left says they believe it. Biden says he believes it about Gaza. He says they they don't want Hamas. Well, then you should say to Israel, do whatever you have to do. Short term, there's going to be some real tragedy here. Uh, there there will be innocent people that die. Uh, but but just a little bit longer term, the Gazans will finally be free of Hamas and be able to become the equivalent of a suburb of Chicago. Your uh, your your Zelensky point. It's not that I haven't been paying attention to you for the last seven minutes, but I've been focused on this Zelensky point. <laughs> Um, Israel's in a situation where it uh, there's going to come a point when what you're calling for absolutely must happen because Israel cannot lose this war. And better perhaps to do it now than later when the stakes are that much higher. Uh, Hamas has been breaking this ceasefire for six days the administration's insistence that Israel significantly limit, you know, collateral damage has meant, and I was watching the podcast or, or watching an interview with a mutual friend of ours, um, Israel would have taken out a bunch of buildings to clear the area. What you do is you go in and in order to create a command and control center that's reasonably safe, you've got to flatten the area around it to deprive snipers, uh, that kind of thing. And six Israeli soldiers have been killed since the ceasefire was signed from sniping that took place from buildings that the Biden administration, apparently, in a real-time situation, uh, told Israel not to target. So Israel's in this just incredible situation where the U.S. has senior military officials who aren't uh, focused apparently for the week on misgendering anyone um, or rewriting the curriculum to uh, redraft the mission of the U.S. military to fight, you know, white colonialism, actually sitting in on Israeli cabinet meetings, war cabinet meetings, and uh, insisting that our advice be taken, that our experience, you know, in the last... Didn't we lose the war against the we're telling them? Didn't we lose against the Taliban? Didn't we lose against, you know, all the Shiite and Sunni militias in Iraq? And we're presuming to tell the Israelis who have to fight a war against an enemy that isn't 7,000 miles away, but 70 meters away? Uh, the whole thing, you're right. I mean, Israel has to... They got to get over this 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 terror, this fear of offending an American president. You, you know, uh, remember shock and all, uh, Tom. I mean, shock and all. Uh, you know, was mostly I think for American political uh, consumption. Uh, the United States bombed uh, government buildings in Baghdad at night when the buildings were empty. <laughs> So, wow, now there is a world power you want to be afraid of right there, you know. Um, I, the, this, this insistence that Israel um, have virtually no civilian casualties in their effort to get the people 
that uh, did this horrific attack. You know, in my view, this is a definition, one of the definitions of anti-Semitism. One of the definitions of anti-Semitism is if you hold Jews or the only Jewish majority nation in the world to a different standard than all other nations are held to or all other peoples are held to. That's exactly what the Biden administration is doing. I mean, this isn't a double standard. It's a triple standard. There's a standard that the world imposes on non-democracies for human rights violations. In other words, they don't give a they don't give a a, rat's patoot, a a rat's patoot, a a totalitarian dictatorship. A third world country can treat anybody can murder tens, hundreds of thousands. That's one standard. There's a standard that the world imposes upon democracies in the way they conduct wars. Britain, the United States, France and West Africa right now, for instance. And there's a third standard that only one country on earth is held to, and that's the state of Israel. That uh, all these operational requirements that the Americans are imposing as a condition for munitions resupply are standards and conditions that the Ameri- that we didn't even impose upon ourselves, either in the fight against ISIS in Iraq or Afghanistan. If that isn't anti-Semitism, there's no such thing. It doesn't exist. Well, it's not only a standard that says Israel uh, must not do in war things that we and others do uh, with with some regularity. It, it's also a standard that says Israel must suffer things at the hands of its enemies uh, and, and never uh, fully deal with those enemies. So what other nation in the world? Would suppose would, could be lectured uh, by its allies to not be consumed with an impulse for revenge when its women have been raped by its enemies. Can you imagine an enemy uh, that went into a European country or into the United States? and raped its daughters and wives and granddaughters, and the reaction of the rest of the world would be, yeah, that was really bad. But at all costs, you've got to avoid that impulse of revenge. That's just not the road you should go down. There would be bloody hell to pay if that was being done. And and look, when, when it was done, there, there were some American women in the military in Afghanistan that were taken prisoner and were sexually abused. And our own government tried to hide that fact because they knew what the reaction of the American people would be. Um, and by the way, Tom, where are all those feminist groups in the United States in not saying one word about what was done to Israeli women, uh, alive and dead Israeli women, by the Hamas animals on that day. Uh, Where's the uh, uh, Me Too movement? You know, the Me Too movement that, uh, yeah, well, I went to be in there. I went in to audition for a, a role and the producer put his hand on my knee. And it was evident what I was going to be expected to do. Where is that movement in commenting on rape being used as a, as a weapon of war 
by Hamas and the radical Islamists. Total silence. Where, where are all those United Nations committees and commissions dedicated to protecting women worldwide? Mass Not rape. A word. Mass rape. Feminicide or whatever they call it. It's just uh, the, the lack of outrage. Complete silence on the most grotesque, hideous crimes specifically directed against women, forcing husbands to watch their wives gang raped, breasts cut off, murdered, beheaded, their bodies desecrated, dead bodies raped. I mean, Israel has released for selective viewing a 47-minute unedited video captured from Hamas terror GoPro cameras of the most blood-curdling human crimes that the most demented mind would have a hard time conjuring. And if you've seen any of those horrific films um, or has a modicum of common sense, you would instinctively know that these are the worst, most barbaric animals that could possibly live on God's earth and that any effort whatsoever to stay the hand of justice against them is an act of of absolute abject uh, uh, condoning of evil. Just pure. Tom, Tom, Tom. Don't you understand? They're just a nation of George Washington yearning to to create a new country in which everybody will be able to live under their fig tree and follow the call of their heart and soul. No, it's, you know, I mean, I'm I'm actually, I I probably should immediately make a doctor's appointment after our show in order to get my blood pressure checked. Because as I talk about it, it just makes me furious. And as we're closing out here, Tom, let's bring it home for a second, because we had right here in Queens, New York, in an American high school in New York City, uh, a group of hundreds of high school students who discovered that one of their teachers, who was a Jewish woman, went to a pro-Israel rally and she posted online about how exciting it was to support Israel. And a riot broke out in the high school when they found this out. And she had to lock herself in some room for over two hours as this mob of students roamed through the school trying to find her. And Tom, it wouldn't even have gotten a ripple in the body politic in America if the New York Post hadn't found out about it and written a story days later. It was busy. They were busy sweeping it under the rug. uh, Now, Tom, so it makes all the sense in the world, right? Uh, A group of, of murderous thugs went into Israel and raped and pillaged and did unspeakable things, uh, Israel fought back. And so the logical conclusion that any young American teenager in a major American city would come to is, let's go find a Jew. Uh, What were they going to do, Tom, if they found her? There's video of this mob beating up security guards in that high school. 
were the students going to sit down with her and and have a talk about a two state solution? She, yeah, <laughs> why she's logically wrong to be so Tom, I think they would have raped her. They would have killed her. This was a mob, I believe, from what I can tell. There, I believe there's a heavy uh, presence in the school of Muslim of students. Of course, of course, it's Queens. Look, uh, I, I, I mean, I, I, I should say it. I mean, I'm just going to say it because our audience is mature enough to handle it. Abu Kabir, which is the Israeli forensic center in Tel Aviv where they do all the, you know, forensic uh, pathology and there are still hundreds of unidentified victims, the remains of which can't be identified and they've been doing this for two months there was a briefing a couple of days ago Um, you know, they've got body parts they're trying to deal with, I mean they can't even extract DNA from some but doctors late last week from this Abu Kabir uh, forensic center verified that little girls, old women, and even very young toddlers, as old or as young as they think, four years old, were raped. Children raped after they were dead. Uh, It's just, you can't even... uh, you, uh, you, You just can't even... Uh, describe this and our media is so sensitive about causing offense that they don't report this and I get it and I understand it but it deprives the American people a lot of us of understanding just what kind of barbarians we're up against and if you you think they're going to be satisfied with Israelis you think they're going to be done when the last Jew is killed they're going to hang it up you know uh, have a retirement ceremony and go off into the sunset Heck no, they're coming after us. They're coming after you. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Tom, ultimately, you know, every show we do uh, gets necessarily back to the same thing, that Judeo-Christian civilization <clears throat> is under brutal attack from within and from without. Uh, and uh, the, the nature of the evil outside of the civilization is hidden from us by forces inside the civilization for reasons that one can only speculate. Are, are, are they afraid it will wake us up? Are they afraid that we might be roused from our sleep and decide that this is a civilization worth defending? Um, there, there's a revolution occurring within the civilization. There's just no doubt about it. We opened by talking about the, uh, uh, Biden on Thanksgiving Day issues a proclamation that doesn't thank uh, uh, the God of the Bible for the blessings uh, that Americans enjoy. The uh, uh, yeah, what a great what a great job we're doing in in educating uh, the children of our civilization because unless you educate the children of your civilization, you're doomed, right? Yeah. So we see in this, this school in in uh, Queens. Uh, we've got a bunch of uh, Hamas wannabes that were prepared, I think, to do severe harm to a Jewish teacher, their own teacher. Uh, we, we've got uh, somebody's daughters, uh, somebody's sisters, perhaps somebody's wives all over TikTok 
saying that they don't say this part. They've never read the Constitution. They've never read the Federalist Papers. They've never read the Declaration of Independence. They've never read Lincoln's second inaugural. But they've read Osama bin Laden's open letter to the American people, and their lives have been changed. Tom, if you are an American and you have not woken up yet to how late it is and how much you're going to have to decide to quote unquote fight or you're not. I know I keep running to people. Gary. Well, Gary, I mean, I when I think of the lives my children and grandchildren are going to have, I it just buddy, you're going to see it yourself. You don't have to speculate <clears throat> the kind of lives your children and grandchildren are going to have. You're going to see it. You're going to experience it. If we don't wake up, it's two minutes to midnight. Yeah, it's, you're right. You're right. You're right. And we're out of time. I was going to throw something else in there, but we're out of time because you hogged the whole show. (laughs) You say it. I'll give you another 30 (laughs) seconds. (laughs) No, it's just... Every time free people since the end of the Second World War have been given a choice, which of course isn't real, but they think it's real, of security versus freedom, they always pick security. But without freedom, you're not going to have security. So they've been sold a lie that somehow if you give up your freedom, you'll get security. And we've given up inordinate amounts of freedom, particularly in Europe, which is gone. Do we have security? <laughs> Are we more insecure today, not just physically, but spiritually, emotionally, culturally, uh, civically? The country is far less secure when we give up our freedoms uh, freedom of conscience, of liberty, of religion, of worship, of being proud of our our heritage, our traditions, our our, our uh, biblically infused values. It's a it, it, it's a false choice, and we fall for it time and time and time again. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, Tom, as always, it's a pleasure to do this uh, podcast with you. But I think we both had the same emotion, which is uh, I, I just want to go door to door and want to shake everybody, you know, know, but there's not enough time. No, I know. I know. I know. Anyway, we got to work way over. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's Gary Bauer again, causing the Bauer and Rose podcast to go over. But it's a podcast. So what are they going to do? Shoot us? Actually, they might. They yeah. might. <laughs> it depends on who they <laughs> is. Right? Yeah. Have a great couple days. We'll talk to you soon. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an issue of the Bauer and Rose Show.